marketing isn't just about focusing on this quarter or even next quarter. Marketing is always about a longer term approach. I think, yes, we have to help our sales organizations be successful this quarter, next quarter. But if we lose that eye on the on the longer term relationships and you know, ultimately the reputation we have and the advocacy that we have, we risk the long term sustainability of the business. Hello and welcome. I'm Rob Levitt, your host for C-Suite Marketing, expert conversations on executive engagement. C-Suite Marketing is brought to you by Boardroom Insiders, a business intelligence platform that makes executive engagement easier than ever. Learn more at boardroominsiders.com. Learn more about this podcast on itsma.com. You'll find other episodes of C-Suite Marketing, and all sorts of other research and insights on executive engagement. And please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. On today's podcast, I talk with Mark Larwood, head of strategic customer marketing at O2, about how O2 is strengthening and advancing relationships with key customers through a tiered, innovative executive engagement program. It's a wonderful program that I'm sure you'll find interesting, and it's an award winner. Mark and his team took home the gold at ITSMA's 2020 Marketing Excellence Awards for orchestrating executive engagement. Enjoy the show. Well, I'm thrilled to be here today with Mark Larwood, Head of Strategic Customer Marketing at O2. Mark, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Rob. It's ever good to be here. Excellent. Yeah, really looking forward to talking today about your program and approach. Um, But why don't we start with just describing a little bit your role? Tell me about the scope of of, uh, program and responsibility under that Strategic Customer Marketing heading. Sure. So I work for O2 Business, as you say. You know, O2 Business is the the UK arm of global multinational telco Telefonica. Um, I run our ABM advocacy and strategic account marketing activities, if you like, uh, which basically means my job is to help grow our strategic, our most important, and our largest accounts, really. So working with sales, working with account teams, and that intersect to help drive our business forward successfully. Excellent, excellent. And give us a sense of the scope of accounts when you talk about your strategic accounts. Are we talking tens? Are we talking hundreds? Yeah, so we're talking about tens, you know, 40 or 50 key accounts. And obviously, there's some, it's a form of tiering within that, right? Not all of these strategic accounts are born equal, as it were. You know, some right. of them move through the cycle, but, you know, we try to take a tiered approach so we have a sensible. Uh, approach to, to managing what is actually quite a high number of, of, of accounts, really. So let's start. We've got the basics here. Talk about en- executive engagement and why is that so important with these accounts? So as I say, you know, these are our most strategic accounts. They're our largest accounts. They're the accounts where we have that strongest opportunity for growth 
and where our success is, you know, tied up most, you know, these strategic accounts probably represent, you know, 40 or 50% of our annual revenues. They're really important to us collectively and individually. And I think it's a, it's a, it's a huge realization that those strong relationships with executives, that executive to executive, but also for our account teams with executives within these accounts, those strong relationships within these accounts are vitally important. And where we can have those exec level in, in, in relationships, you know, it's kind of fairly self-evident. If you're having that face-to-face -face time with a senior team within a customer, the better that is for relationships elsewhere as well. It tends to sort of, you know, grease those wheels of, um, of, of relationships across the organization. Is there a coordination issue with the programs that you're running and wanting to use your own senior executives and just the day-to-day -day outreach that they're doing, the meetings that they're doing? I mean, you can't tell them what to do but you do want to maximize the value of their time. I'm just curious if there's a structure or coordination to that process of helping keep them focused on the most important accounts, the most important executives. I mean, ultimately it all comes down to diary management, doesn't it? So I think, <laughs> you know, having strong relationships with um, PAs is a really good starting point. Um, but I think, you know, our senior execs are as busy as other organizations, senior execs normally um, do have a bit more accessibility, you know, recently because people aren't spending so long in the car on the train and things like that. But broadly, you know, diaries are full. Um, so activities do have to be pre-planned to a, to a greater or lesser extent. I think, you know, our, our, our role is to feed content, ideas and talking points in um, that feed into the regular pre-arranged meetings, as well as giving them opportunities to, you know, drop an email and say, hey, I thought this was interesting, you know, happy to talk about it at our next meeting or at some point, you know. Um, it, it doesn't all have to be to our timetable as, as a marketing team. It's around enabling those conversations to happen through good content, through compelling talking points, really, um, at the pace that those execs want to do. Right. And now you have really launched and built a formal program over the last couple of years. And, and so, I, again, I imagine that uh, it's not new to want to have these relationships at the executive level and have those conversations. But talk a little bit about deciding to build a more formal program. Yeah. So, Rob, I think I think the conscious decision we made was to build an ABM program and, you know, to build relationships through, you know, one to few and one to one to one relationships. I think executive engagement became a kind of an add on um, to that and a way of almost, um, I guess, consolidating some of those relationships we already have. There's a lots of ad hoc, lots of, if not quite random, at least ad hoc activities which happen within the accounts and between the accounts and our and our customer base and the execs within those. I think what we were trying to do was bring ABM more closely with executive engagement and bring a slightly more programmatic ap approach to that, a bit more strategic, more thought through approach. That wasn't to say we didn't want those random acts because I think there's a lot of value in that, but it's also about what do we have alongside that, which is programmatic, repeatable and measurable as well and allows us to, you know, 
build relationships, build our reputation within accounts and ultimately drive through to the, you know, the key big R of revenue for the business. So how did you approach that? How did you approach that program design and program development to move from the more random acts and, and relying on the account teams to creating a more structured and, and disciplined approach? Yeah, so I think, I mean, one of the first things we, we did now two years or so ago was put into place our customer advisory council or a customer advisory board that kind of gave that that focal point for some of those senior relationships building those within our our key most important accounts as they say um we already had the abm program which sort of sat alongside that which went to a different audience and really yeah i, I don't think there's any rocket science around this really rob to be honest it's really looking at all of those things which already exist and trying to pick the best pieces and, and replicate those things. You know, there are some, some of our ex execs, our account execs rather, um, account managers who are really good at this stuff. You know, they're really in control of who needs to be contacting who and they're constantly working with the execs. You know, learn from those, roll out those sorts of methodologies and ideas into, into, into the other accounts. And then, you know, mar marketing's role in this is to you know, you know, provide... I guess the messaging, the content, the ideas, and the the impetus for those relationships which need to happen. I guess provide the catalyst for making some of those things happen. Okay, so I love the um, building the advisory board as a focal point. Um, I want to come to in a minute. I want to get to what you've built around that, but let's stay on the advisory board and. Because the timing is interesting. I think you started that a year or two ago, but this year, obviously, uh, we're recording this at the end of 2020, um, you've had to move away from what I imagine was a more face-to-face -face approach. So first of all, I'm curious, Mark, how the advisory board has evolved from when you launched it to where it is now. Yeah, so we launched the advisory board January, February sort of 2019, so nearly two yeah. years ago. Yeah. And it was always envisaged as a you know, twice annual, three times a year, face-to-face -face event. Right. And that's what happened in 2019, right? We, we, we had a couple of initial right. meetings where we met with the, you know, the, the council members in, in the usual way, you know, right. nice dinner, nice restaurant, right. that kind of approach, you know, very casual. Um, we had a plan for one of these events in March this year. You know, just about just just before our lockdown came into place in the UK, obviously we didn't know it was happening, but a right. lot of people were already taking precautions and people were reluctant to want to come and meet in person. So we, with about forty-eight hours notice, we pivoted across to a um, a virtual event. You know, we ran it over Microsoft Teams, and we thought we don't know how this is going to work. You know, is it going to work? You know, will people participate? You know, will we get the same sort of involvement? And actually, we shouldn't have worried. It was really, really successful. We had a we had a better turnout than we would have had had mm. it been face to face, and there was a real strong level of um, engagement. And I actually mm. think that having that advisory board in place already was fantastic for us. It gave us that forum to have some of the conversations with our customers that we wanted to have. Um, you know, and all of a sudden, you know, we've got 12, 14 execs, senior execs from our customers in a room, and also, and, and all of a sudden, there's this. Um, this galvanizing, unifying problem, challenge, right. what to do about COVID. And everybody's in the same situation, trying to work it through. 
what are we going to do what and they're sharing ideas being really open about well, what the challenges are for them and how they are how they are how they're dealing with it which you know i think was hugely beneficial for those people there and it's great for us to hear that and understand our role as you know comms and telco provider right. how we can how we can support that yeah no mission critical mm. right so how has that evolved over the course of the year so you made this quick pivot last spring in march and then you know even in march we didn't know how long that was going to last but clearly it's lasted you know the rest of the year so how has that advisory board um, evolved over this past well, year i mean unsurprisingly it stayed virtual um yeah. and whereas you know in 2019 we we did two events as i said this year we've done six you know we were due to have a seventh in december but that ended up sort of moving into february for various end of year reasons but you know sure. we've had six it's been very regular you know, very strong participation and as i say you know it's been a real fan real good vehicle for us and for our customers to come together with their peers and talk in the you know a safe environment around you know what they're doing about challenges it's been interesting to see how that conversation has developed over the course of the last yeah. nine months or ten months really from you know that initial i won't say panic but that initial kind of you know what do we do you know everybody's yeah. the same you know in almost an emergency situation into that okay this is going to be normal for a little while how are we going to deal with this to so now coming more around towards what does the future look like what does the future of work look like you know are people going to rush back to the office rush back to wherever their work environment is or are we going to have a bit more of a, a, a hybrid you know remote office approach and you know it's, it's really interesting to see how that conversation developed over time yeah one of the things we've talked about a lot on this podcast is by necessity virtual executive engagement you know before this year i i think executive engagement was a laggard when it came to virtual so much of it whether it was advisory boards or just executive dinners or events or roundtables so much or just meetings and briefings one to one so much of it was in person we now have the better part of a year of experience with virtual executive engagement and i'm curious as you you know are now planning and moving into 2021 are there some lessons about how to manage the interaction and the engagement virtually you know having done now six of these virtual yeah. advisory board sessions and probably others as well so I think one of the refreshing things has been the availability and accessibility of a number of you know, senior execs. I think when you're asking people to come to a face-to-face -face event, it's a big commitment, right? Yeah, maybe, maybe they're based in London where we are, and, you know, it's, but it's still a trek across town or it's, it's something. Yeah. It, whereas with our advisory councils, we've had, you know, hour and a half meeting, you know, we've had a, one at breakfast time, we've had a couple later in the afternoon, they kind of bookend the day and the commitment is the hour that you need to turn up the hour and a half not the three hours traveling either way and disruptions and those sorts of things so in terms of you know most of our accounts we find that, that more accessibility more more access to them really um you know and, and yes we've we've had to rethink the sorts of conversations that we have um 
you know, we're all familiar with Zoom, Microsoft Teams, whatever it is. And when you've got a group of people, you can really only have one person talking at once. And um, I think what we miss are those kind of side conversations where, you know, not so much in the plenary kind of discussion group, but when, you know, those, those informal pieces when you kind of turn up and you have a you know a drink with one person then you sort of wander around and do the networking we're kind of missing out on that part and we haven't really found a strategy yet how to mm. bring that back in but well, i think you know in terms yeah. of how you handle those sorts of events so those sorts of activities we've had to be mindful of bringing different people into the conversation understanding beforehand what individuals particular interest might be it's just a different way of facilitating those conversations and when you can actually see the whites of all their eyes in a, in a right. room in three dimensions. Right. Oh, exactly. Exactly. Now, I'm curious, um, from a audience perspective, um, you talked about how over the course of this past year, the conversations have shifted because the reality has changed so much and you're talking mm. differently, different kinds of issues and challenges around the future of work and, and so on. Are you now, so stepping back from the advisory board, thinking more broadly about executive engagement, are you looking at different kinds of audiences, different kinds of executives that you're now trying to reach or that you are working with? Yeah, so I think, as I say, we have, we had an ABM program, which was broadly addressing the the day-to-day -day contacts that we have within accounts you know they're typically not the c-suite and then we have you know, our executive board our customer board which is a, is approaching those people um they had been quite separate and we were we were making good progress in bringing in place some sort of special interest groups and some other you know face-to-face -face meetings previously and obviously you know all of those tended to stop um We've run no end of webinars. We've run, you know, panel discussions where we've written up the the output from those things as well, and used that as a as something to feed back into our advisory board, but also to our other customers. Um, the advisory board is fantastic. Our ABM program is 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 a great vehicle for reaching certain audiences. I think our perennial challenge is how we continue to go broader in terms of the customers that we can reach, but also that depth and reaching different audiences and having something um, meaningful to say based on the line of business or the, the area that an organization is interested in. And I think, you know, that's, that's, that's the perennial challenge for us. I think we made good st strides in 19, 2020 as well. Um, and, you know, pandemic has got in the way of that to a degree, but, you know, I think through, you know, a, a combination of, you know, almost broadcast webinars to narrow cast panels and discussion groups we've been able to have some of that that thinking i think what really helped us reach new audiences and you know drive greater awareness amongst our existing customer base is having some real strong thought leadership yeah you know, the, the the pandemic and how organizations handle how their workforces work you know, in terms of remote working and you know, home working or whatever it is, yeah. has been a real challenge for a lot of our customers and for, the, for, for business on the whole. And that's, you know, that's, there's a strong play for us as the comms provider, as the mobility yeah. provider to play in that. So our, our thought leadership, what, how we see the future of work and the future of society more broadly has really helped us 
um, expand into new audiences and you know if people have aha you know that's interesting what O2 have got to say I must talk to them type things. No that's great and I'm, I'm so glad you brought up the thought leadership topic because uh, another issue that we often focus on at ITSMA and, and we've talked about it with other, uh, other experts and guests on the podcast is the intersection between thought leadership and executive engagement. And so on the one hand, the importance of research and publishing, you know, high quality, relevant executive level content, but then how do you use that content for conversation? How do you equip your account leads, your account managers, your own executives to be able to use the thought leadership for more personal conversations. And I'm, I'm curious as you've pivoted over the course of the year, are you working differently or maybe just investing more in that enablement side of thought leadership? Yeah, I, I think absolutely. You know, I say we've got some strong thought leadership. It's, it's very easy to try and take that to, you know, small groups of audiences. But as soon as you want to sort of scale that up and take it out broader, you yeah. know, you, you need to use the channels which you have. And in our case, it is our account managers, account teams that, that are best placed to take some of that messaging out to our existing customers. You know, it's a lot of active, a lot of things that we can do from a PR and a messaging and a, you know, it's more sort of broader activity. But enabling the salespeople and the account teams to have those conversations directly, you know, so that they can really understand our thought leadership, how it impacts and what could potentially impact their their customers, and helping them work that out for themselves is um, really important to us. Yeah. So you know. what what works with that? <laughs> you know, I mean, we often hear from the sales side, we're inundated with content, we don't have time, or you know, they'll pick on one or two things. And I think a more programmatic approach is usually required. But I'm curious from your experience, Mark, what what's working? What's effective with that? So I think, I mean, there's there's always a degree of carrot and stick with this. <sighs> in the sense that, you know, sometimes it's mandated that um account teams attend what we call ask the experts which are our kind of you know show and tell to um our sales audiences um but also you know it's got to be something which is valuable to them or they can see how it's valuable to their customer and therefore how it's valuable to them you know sending 25 page powerpoint presentations is not the way forward you know infographics and those sorts of things are really the simplest way of understanding things and also just be really clear on the process we want our salespeople to have. And also this realization that not every time you speak to a customer has to result in an opportunity. You know, it's that cumulative effect of those touch points, which is important. And, you know, for those, for those um, account people that are, I guess, more savvy to that sort of approach, you know, they're, 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 they're always interested in finding a new piece of content or a new angle just to you know, touch base with the customer, have a conversation. Ultimately, they want to, you know, turn that into an opportunity, whether that's by, you know, encouraging them to have a workshop on a particular topic or, you know, join ideation sessions or innovation sessions. I, I think it's just really about having the right sorts of content and, and, a, and a breadth of different types of content to, to suit the purposes, really. Yeah, and that's where I would imagine um, being, 
I mean, that you run the ABM program. I mean, you're already so tied in with the the, the senior most uh, sales leads, account leads. Mm. Um, so you're already building those relationships and kind of workflows. Let me um, take another uh, classic challenge, which is measurement. And so, you know, you, you, you just mentioned, Mark, that... One of the issues with sales is helping them understand that not every meeting leads to an opportunity. Um, you're trying to build stronger relationships. You're trying to build stronger connections. How are you measuring the impact of all of this work? So look, you know, we're a commercially focused organization. Ultimately, it comes down to the pipeline that we can deliver. Um, I think the challenge is, well, the, the best way to look at that is look at it across or look at it in aggregate across the various activities that we do. I think, you know, as much as we'd love to have attribution against each of our individual pieces of content, it's just not practical. And actually, I think you spend too much time trying to measure it. It becomes, you know, costly just to do the measurement. I think looking, looking, looking at the collective contribution of what we do to the sales pipeline and ultimately to revenue is important. But I think, you know, we also subscribe to the idea of, you know, the three R's that the ITSMA, you know, focuses on, you know, revenue is important. I think the major two levers that we have are the other two R's, right? Reputation and relationships. Those are the levers that we can affect as marketing in the short to midterm, which ultimately leads to those revenue opportunities. And I think, I think we avoid the other, those other measures at our peril, really. Um, mm. Certainly, you know, marketing isn't just about focusing on this quarter or even next quarter marketing is always about a longer term approach i think yes we have to help our sales organizations be successful this quarter next quarter but if we lose that eye on the on the longer term relationships and you know ultimately the reputation we have and the advocacy that we have we risk the long term sustainability of the business right so you have you mentioned up front you know you're in the roughly 40 50 accounts range <laughs> Um, I imagine, you know, you know, the executives that you're trying to reach, it's, it's maybe it's in the hundreds, it's probably not in the thousands of executives. And so I'm, I want to keep on this measurement topic, how are you actually measuring reputation and relationships? Yeah, so it's a little bit subjective, and it's based on our understanding for the most part of where we think we are on an advocacy scale right from you know completely unaware blissfully unaware of that we exist to um you know strong advocates people that we would feel you know people we would be happy to share a platform with people that will you know provide us with a, a strong reference point and things like that um and you know i think we, we look at that from the organization as a whole you know where is customer a on that journey overall but as you say you know it's about the individual execs within that and we're typically tracking you know maybe eight 10 12 execs within our, our, our top accounts our top abm accounts and you know charting that progress across across the piece and and you know and, and mapping some of those execs in terms of you know, to the opportunities that we have um or actually vice versa, you know, here are some opportunities we think we have in these organizations, who are the execs we need to influence to make that happen? And that may be a nine to 12 month process from start to finish, but it's very much about thinking around, you know, who do we need to impress? Who needs to have a great opinion of us to, to make the, the decisions that help our business? 
Oh, that's great. All right. So uh, we just have a few more minutes left. Um, end of the year, going into 2021, what are you proudest of uh, over this past year? What, are, what do you look to as your greatest successes or accomplishments with the program? So I, I, would, I would say is a couple of things. I think the amazingly fast pivot that was made within my team and our wider marketing team, really, to deal with the, the immediacy of the pandemic and what it meant. Um, you know, we, we're very lucky. We were very able to work from home very quickly. But I think pivoting to be able to help our customers is something that I'm personally really proud of. And you know, my team, particularly being responsible for the strategic account relationships, had a huge role to play in helping our customers, you know, changing that messaging away from, you know, salesy promotional into, you know, supportive, um, empathetic messages, let's say. Um, so I'm very proud of that. I'm also proud of the the advances we've made in our customer advisory board and those programs and how successful those have been really. Um, most of all, just proud of my team. That's great. Okay, so so what's next? What are you looking at for 2021? How do you build on, you know, you're two years into the program, you're one year into this crazy pivot. <laughs> what are you focusing on as the next phase? Well, I'd like to think there's a little bit more predictability about 2021, but I don't think there will be. So I think enabling us to be ever more agile in our thinking and in our approaches to things. And I think, you know, in our customer relationships as well. Um, and generally, I, I think building upon the opportunities we already have. I, I talked earlier around, um, you know, expanding the breadth and the depth of our activities into our key accounts, you know, reaching more customers than the outside of those that are just reached by the advisory board, for example, you know, making sure that we can talk to all of the execs within those organizations. I wouldn't say, well, I would say that, you know, it's, it's a continual improvement process, really. I, I don't think we're looking to introduce anything new in 2021, but I think it's, you know, continual improvement and, um, you know, reaching more accounts. Mm. Are there, uh, curious how you're working with your own executive leadership and, and involving them and, and kind of managing them, if you will, as, as a part of building these relationships with your key accounts. What is the role that, that they play? So think about our advisory board, you know, it's chaired by our COO, it's our you know, UK COO, you know, he's ultimately responsible for running, you know, the network and, you know, this, this six billion pound business, you know, it's a, it's a big job, yet he's prepared to spend his time on, on this activity. You know, it's really important we have that senior sponsorship. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, maintaining and building upon that relationship is incredibly important. Um, our other execs also contribute significantly to to the programs and you know we're very lucky that they're very open to talking to customers on a one-to-one -one basis or at, at these sorts of larger fora i mean i think my challenge in 2021 is throwing so much that they start saying no slow down this is too much for us to do that will be when i realize of <laughs> we've right. done a great job great okay mark last Last question for folks who are themselves at the very beginnings of building an executive engagement program or even just thinking about how do we do more at the executive level. I wonder if you have any uh, 
lessons learned or tips from uh, the last few years of your own experience? So I would say look for where this is already successful in your own organization. There will be pockets where you know you've got some good good account execs who are really good at corralling senior team to to do what they want them to do. Um, where those things are successful, bring those together, learn from them, and try to replicate them. And it's, there's, there's no point trying to push, you know, uh, something completely new that people aren't receptive to it. So I think find where something's already happening, use that as a, as a team of people who will advocate for the approach and, and, and replicate it. Just, you know, put your arms around what's already existing and try to build out from that rather than starting from a complete blank piece of paper is what I would say. Great. Mark, thank you very much. Um, great insight, great examples, a uh, lot for everybody to learn from. Uh, really appreciate your time and uh, appreciate your being on the podcast. Pleasure, Rob. Pleasure to be here. Thanks very much. Thanks for listening to C-Suite Marketing. I hope you got at least a few new ideas. Let us know what you think and send along any questions or suggestions for upcoming episodes. And if you really enjoyed the show, do us a favor and tell two friends. Do us another favor and check out our sponsor, Boardroom Insiders, a business intelligence platform that makes executive engagement easier than ever. Boardroom Insiders helps you close bigger deals faster. Learn more at boardroominsiders.com. And don't forget to visit us at itsma.com for more on this podcast and more insight and inspiration on executive engagement, account-based marketing, thought leadership, and other B2B marketing priorities. Thanks again for listening and have a great day.